Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. Another very powerful idol, which like all idols, is leaving a trail of broken hearts in its path is love. We're very enamored with love. We're in love with love, which already tells you that something's wrong. It's circular thinking. I, I love love because love is lovable. It's such a dangerous worship because we've always known in Torah and Kabbalah that most evil in people is produced by love. In the name of love, we do horrible things, beginning with self-love. Nothing causes misbehavior Nothing corrupts people more than self-love. It's not money that is the root of all evil. Love is the root of all evil. Even love of others is a passion. Passions, by their very nature, are corrupting. Every passion. A passion for food is dangerous. A passion for power is dangerous. A passion for love is a passion for passion. It's the most dangerous. Because there's nothing more corrupting, there's nothing more sinful than indulging your passion simply because you want it. Or you want it a lot. In the name of love, there have been wars, assassinations, assassination attempts by President Reagan. In the name of love, there are duels, there is jealousy, there's all sorts of horrible things, all in the name of love. And yet love can be so nice. Love can be so good. In the name of love, we've also done some really magnificent things, noble things. But that's not because we worshipped love, but because we worshipped the people we loved. So worshipping love is simply mistaken thinking. It's wrong-mindedness. Love doesn't deserve worship. Love doesn't deserve admiration. Love is a tool. Love is an emotion that enables you to make contact with another human being. If the other human being is worthy, if the other, be, you, the other human being is admirable, if the other human being is important, then love becomes a useful and constructive tool. If the person you love is not admirable, not worthy, and not deserving, 
then your love becomes your downfall. And it's hard to resist. We can't imagine what it was like back in the days of the temple where people had this irresistible passion for idolatry. We, we can't even imagine. What does it do for you? You have a statue, you bow to it. We just can't, we can't relate to that at all. Because that passion had faded out or had died at some point in history. And, and we, can't, we can't relate to it at all. But passion, whether it's for a statue, an idol, liter a literal idol, or anything else, passion has remained the same. A passion for something unworthy is an unworthy passion. So if, if I were to ask, is love important? Most people would say yes. You ask a teenager, is love important? They would say it's the most important. It's the only thing that's important. Because if you have love, you have everything. Love will keep us together. Love will see us through all difficulties. Love will overcome all obstacles. That's not necessarily true. The right way to say it is, that which is worthy and that which is important deserves to be loved. But what's important doesn't become important by virtue of your love. Your love does not impart importance. It is a response and a reaction to that which is already important. So all the noble things we've done in the name of love, it wasn't the love that made us do it. It was the person who was the object of our love. So if you sacrifice your life for your children, if you sacrifice your, your, your safety for other people, it's not love. The firemen and the policemen and all the volunteers who ran into the Twin Towers did it out of love. They didn't even know the people who were there. So you can argue they did it out of love for humanity. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what love of humanity means. It's hard enough to love a human. <laughs> Much harder to love humanity, whatever, whatever that is. So it's not the love that moved them to sacrifice or risk their lives. It's because they believed in the sanctity of life. And therefore loved life. But life became important because it's sacred, not because they loved it. So when you find something that is important by its own virtue, then you ought to love it. Then it's appropriate to love that which is important. But to love love, that's an idol. When you take that which is merely a tool and turn it into an end in itself, that's treating it as if it were God, and that is an idol.
what do we say? What does the Torah say about idols? The Torah says, they are useless and helpless. They will not respond to you in a time of need. They will always disappoint you. Love does not help you when a relationship goes bad. It is such a lie. I mean, it's such an obvious, blatant lie. If you love each other, everything will work out. But then when things don't work out, you simply say, well, don't love you. I stopped loving you. That's why it's not working out. If love can't even maintain itself, how is it going to maintain a relationship? If you love somebody sincerely, deeply, you love them enough to marry them and make all the vows that comes with the marriage, and you can't remain in love, you can't continue to love this person for more than five years, if love can't even maintain itself, how is it going to maintain a relationship that is sometimes challenging? How is it going to overcome a difference of opinion, a difference in taste, a difference in lifestyle? It will disappoint. That's the definition of an idol. It can't help itself. How is it going to help you? And that's what makes love an idol. It can't help itself. So when love is the response, the reaction to that which is valid and important, the validity and the importance of the person or of the idea that you love will maintain the love, will give love some stability and some permanence. Love cannot give it Love cannot give the relationship stability or permanence because it doesn't have any. So let's take a look at what love really is. First of all, love is an emotion. Emotions, by their nature, are fickle. They have to be. An emotion that isn't fickle is a fixation. If you feel the same towards a person day in and day out, then you're probably feeling nothing. Because feelings, by their nature, um, change. They rise and fall. They flare up and then they settle down. That's why they're so exciting. Excited. They are excitable. And that means unstable. Because that which is stable is not exciting. It's not excitable. It's consistent, it's steady, it's safe, it's strong, but it's not exciting. It's wonderful, but emotions are more than wonderful. Most emotions are exciting. And the excitement is the result of the element of surprise. You never know what you're going to feel tomorrow. So if you wake up and you love your spouse, how exciting, because you didn't expect that. 
So the suspense, the surprise element, what will tomorrow bring? That's what makes it so exciting. A feeling that has become stable has lost its excitement and is no longer an emotion. It's a habit. It's a fixation, some kind of a hang-up. It's not a healthy emotion. So emotions, by their very nature, are supposed to be unpredictable. They're supposed to be fiery. All heat is in the emotion, in the heart. And heat, or fire, is unstable. And that's great. But for that reason, you can't expect an emotion to give your relationship any stability. It's not supposed to. You're expecting it to do what it cannot do. That's an idol. When you expect the statue that you just finished carving to cure you or to save you from disaster, you're expecting it to do something it cannot do. Another thing about love. No matter how much you love someone, there's always a selfish element. Because it's your emotion. It's what you feel. Okay, fine. You feel towards someone else. You're loving someone. But it's you who are loving. It's your emotion. It's your feeling. If a person does not reciprocate, you feel wounded, rejected. You feel insulted. Why? Because your emotion was not accepted, which means you were not accepted. Now, in real love, I'm sorry, in a real devotion, that wouldn't happen. If I am truly devoted to you, and you don't reciprocate my love, well, fine. Love me, don't love me. I'm taking care of you. Like a parent. So here's how it works in the real world, in the world of holiness. Parents don't want love from their children. A parent who wants love from their children is immature and irresponsible. You're an, you're an adult, you're grown up, you're a responsible parent. You need love from your children? That's juvenile. If you really need love, go back to your mother and grow up all over again. And then, when you're ready to love others, then you should become a parent. But if you need love from your children, you're emotionally dependent on a child? That's not healthy. Parents want their child's love, not love from their child. Now you think about this for a second. There's a huge difference. Love from your child or your child's love. Love from your child means you need to be loved and you're expecting it from a child. Not good. 
Your child's love is a completely different issue. Your child's love means, I want my child. I want closeness with my child. One of the ways we are close is if my child loves me. If he wants to be close some other way, I'm not particular. I want my child. So it's not love that I'm looking for, it's my child that I'm looking for. So I'm not looking for love from my children, I'm looking for my children's love. Or their time, or their devotion, or their money, whatever it is they have. Because they're my children. So the importance and the significance is in who they are. The response or the reaction is to love them and to expect them to love you. But if the focus is not the child, the relationship, the familyhood, all you have is love, this is not healthy. So love is not important. Love is how you treat things that are important. What makes things important? That's a whole different issue. That's a whole different question. Worshipping love means seeing love as the end rather than a means to an end. Love is a means to an end. To get closer to those who are important to you, whose closeness you need, one of the nice ways of doing it is through love. But if you develop a love for love, you always end up loving the wrong people. I'm sure I've, I've shared this story with you. A mother calls me and asks me to go visit her son who was in the psych ward at the hospital. He had tried to kill himself with a friend and they're holding him for observation for 48 hours in the psych ward on the sixth floor of the county hospital, which is literally a dangerous loony bin. They're holding people there who are murderers, muggers, violent people who have to be evaluated to see if they're fit to stand trial. And here, this 14-year-old kid is being held in the same place, in the same ward. And no one is allowed to visit, so the mother can't go visit. The only ones allowed are clergy. So the mother didn't know me, I didn't know her, but she needed a rabbi. So she calls me and asks me to go up there. And I felt terrible for a 14-year... I've been there with adults, and it's a very scary place. There are lunatics, literally howling, threatening. It's, it's like, it's like a, a dangerous prison. So the thought of a 14-year-old up there was, I said, of course, I'll go visit him. I go up there, the double bar doors, bars on the window, armed nurses. And I make my way through this mess of humanity. And I, kept, I get to this kid's room. He's lying there in bed reading a comic. Like he was on vacation in camp or something. So I try making some conversation. And he's not interested. 
I said, your mother asked me to come see you. Not interested. I said, your mother is concerned. She's worried. What should I tell her? Whatever. Not interested. I try and I try and, and it's not happening. He doesn't want to talk. Finally, he says, why don't you go home? The, the, the chaplain has already been here. The hospital chaplain. I said, really? What did he say? The boy says, something stupid. I said, now you're making me curious. What did he say that was stupid? He says, he told me not to kill myself because God loves me. I said, you think that's stupid? He says, yeah. I said, I agree. You're right. That is really stupid. Because I can't imagine God loves you. You're an obnoxious brat. <laughs> he says, yeah. I said, God created you. You're a part of his plan. You're a piece in his puzzle. He needs you for something. He needs you to do something. So he's stuck with you. But I can't imagine he likes you. There's nothing to like. He says, well, what if I don't want to do what God created me for? I said, that's called freedom of choice. You can choose. But at least now you're taking a position. You're saying something I want, I don't want. Now you're sounding intelligent. We spoke for a few more minutes, but it wasn't going anywhere. So I left. And driving on the way home, I realized I had just been playing with him. But he really was right. He was really right. He tried to kill himself. Not because he has a terrible life. Not because he can't pay the mortgage. Not because uh, his family had disintegrated and he was an orphan. He had a very comfortable life. He killed himself mostly out of or tried to kill himself, mostly out of boredom. Because he's convinced that he's not necessary. Whether he lives or dies, won't make much of a difference to anybody. Oh yeah, his mother will be upset. But is that a reason to live? So he tries to kill himself. He says, well, okay, now that I know what life is, let's find out what death is. Now somebody comes along and says, no, you shouldn't do that. You mustn't kill yourself because God loves you. And he's thinking, that's stupid. I'm not even necessary. What are you loving? It's like having the whipped cream, but no cake. So if life is necessary, if you got to be gesund, you know, you just, your health is everything, like grandmothers used to say, then you got to stay healthy, you got to live, and it helps if somebody loves you along the way, makes it easier. But if you're not necessary, you don't have to be here, and it's not important that you be healthy, because who cares? Then what do you mean you love me? That's so stupid. He's right. Parents would say to a child, you know, we don't need you, but we love you. 
that sounds like a pet. That's treating a child like a gerbil or a goldfish. We don't need you. We love you. So if you died, we would be sad. That's stupid. A child would much rather hear, you are necessary, we need you, than we love you. Why? We need you is a statement about you. We love you is a statement about us. So if you say, we love you so much, you're not communicating. I didn't ask you what you feel. I'm telling you that I am not necessary. And you say, ah, but we love you. We're talking at cross purposes here. I am not necessary. My life is useless. Do you have anything to say to that? No. Instead, you change the subject. Okay, fine. That's what you're thinking about yourself. Now let me tell you about me. I love you. This is not helpful. So to say to a child, God loves you, before you convince the child that God needs you, is like giving him whipped cream and there's no cake. The icing without the cake doesn't make sense. So we need to re-educate certainly the younger generation who knows nothing but love. Teenagers who go crazy. Someone loves me. He loves me. He loves me not. Who is he? I don't know. But does he love me? That is a dangerous idol. That's making victims out of our children. It is love worship. Love worship is not kosher. So to tell people, you should worship God because he loves you, bad message. You should love God because he needs you. Better, better message. You are important to God and that's why he loves you. Better. But to hold love up as the virtue, that's an idol. And if a person is enamored with God because God loves him, then he's not worshiping God, he's worshiping love. Person gets married because they're so excited that someone loves them. Then they're not marrying their spouse, they're marrying love. And love by its very nature is fickle and should be because that's what makes it exciting. The second thing about love, being that it's fickle, being that it's an emotion, which is by definition unstable, you have to have a backup. When you love someone, it demands a certain behavior, a certain treatment, a certain commitment. What's going to guarantee that that treatment, that behavior, and that commitment will stay steady and predictable when the emotion that produces it is so unstable and unpredictable? So when a man says to a woman, I love you very much, you love me very much, let's make a life together. That's a silly idea. Life together means stable, 
permanent, day-by-day, consistent, loyal, devoted. Love doesn't do that. Love does the exact opposite. So to say, let's get married because we love each other, that's talking in circles. It's, it's, it's nonsense. Almost, it's almost as if, let's get married even though we love each other. Let's make a permanent bond. Let's create a permanent family, a stable family, despite the fact that our emotions are so unstable. That, that's intelligent. That's real. That's responsible. So in, in marriage vows, if a person says, marry me and I will love you for the rest of your life, you're a liar, a dangerous liar, because you're even lying to yourself. The vow should be, let's get married and build a family together forever and ever, whether we're in love or not. That's good. I should say, if you marry me, I promise to love you most of the time. Oh, some of the time. Once in a while. I will give you whatever love I feel. How much do I feel? I don't know. Who knows? It's an emotion. Comes and goes. So when it's there, oh, it's going to be so exciting. When it's not there, we're married. That's, that's strong. That's true. That's real. So when we have a commandment in the Torah, you should love God, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, doesn't that show how important love is? No, that's a misreading of the sentence. That sentence shows how important God is. We have a commandment to love our fellow Jew. Ah, see, love is important. No, not if your fellow Jew isn't important. So it's who you love that is important, not love itself. The love is justified by the importance of the object of your love. And if the object does not justify love, then no love in the world can make it important. Going back to the element of idol, how idolatrous is it to think that any schlamazel, any loser, will become important if I love him? How egotistical, how, how narcissistic is that? My love imparts power and importance to an unimportant, insignificant creature. Now you're the idol. Now you're playing God. That's simply not true. No amount of love makes anything important. And no loss of love makes important people any less important. So your brother who you hate, your sister who you despise, is still much more important than the pet you love. True? Of course it's true.
your mother and father are more important than the person you fell in love with. Unless that person becomes your spouse. Then they are more important than your parents. Whether you love them or not, that particular day. So real attachment, real commitment, real joining of two human beings is not the result of love. Love is appropriate where two human beings make a significant commitment to each other because they are important to each other. And that doesn't really happen without marriage. Because no matter how much a man loves a woman, she's not important. She plays no role in his life other than the object of his love. That does not make her important. I remember seeing this little scene in some show. This man is having an affair. He's a, I'm sorry, the woman is having an affair. She's married. And she has this weekend affair with this guy. And then she suddenly sobers up and she says, what am I doing? What am I doing? I got to go home. I got to go home to my family. And she's all hysterical. And she's about to leave. And he says indignantly, hey, what about me? <laughs> what about? Hey, wait, you're just going to walk out on me? Yeah, well, exactly what are you to her? She has a family. She says she needs to go back to her children, to her husband, to her life. Well, and what about me? <laughs> yeah, what about you? You're just a love. That's if we know where love belongs and what the role of love is. So for a moment, she forgot that she loved her family. That didn't make them any less important to her. For a moment, she thought this guy was important because she loves him. And then she realized loving him doesn't make him important. So she's going back to reality. She's going back to what's real. If we treat love that way, then love is the primary, most um, valuable of all the human emotions. It's not the only emotion, but it's the preferred. The highest of all emotions is love. Because love is an expression of kindness. And chesed, kindness, is what starts everything rolling. It's what motivated God to create the world. So when it's treated properly, Love is fantastic. But when you idolize it, when you worship it, like every idol, it can't help itself, it certainly can't help you.